in the day, black in the night. Stripes in our veins, sparks gonna fly. The beast is awake, orange, black and white. Cause when the jungle come alive, who day we ignite in Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, Iceman Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I bring you sports from a West Side point of view, right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the back to back AFC North champion, Cincinnati Bengals. Now, do me a favor if you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button, smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm all the way up to 2,423 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter X and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing Super Chats. So if you got something you want to ask, money, Mac McPhillips, otherwise known as Ed McPhillips. Yeah, he's from... Uh, Malik Wright and Inner Jump. Anyway, you know who he is. You know, I, I, I got a question for him because all his fire statements, yeah, he kind of you know, gets a little, um, I won't say hot tempered, but you know, he has very high opinions and and sometimes he's wrong, but a lot of times he's right. And by the way, we were both right about General Williams. Anyway, you want to give a super chat? Please do that. I just want to support the show. Give me a super chat. I greatly appreciate it. Most of the time I do this stuff and the guys in, in, in the backstage are cracking up laughing. That's why I keep going. I see them laughing. I keep going. Anyway. <laughs> I've come to you live from this glorious place down here. It's the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, and you know what? We hit the jackpot. We drafted Joe Burrow. We like to call him Jackpot Joey. We got the beer. We got the banners. We got the shirts. We got the hats. Uh, the merchandise is all at jackpotjoey9.com. The beer is at Brink Brewery. Also at Major Kroger's. 
A portion of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and the Joe Burrow Foundation. All right, let's get to this thing. Who's in the chat first? Well, the chat first was me. I said hit those likes, so please make sure you hit those likes. A stranger in there. Tebow's in there. Paul's in there. Kevin's in there. Ross in there. My boy, Augie. Sysilk was in there. Uh, and I think that's everybody else. I think Augie, yep, 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 I got everybody. All right, let's get to – oh, Tim, sorry. You just got in there. Hi, Tim. How are you? Nice to see you. All right, Tim's in there. Let's get to the man, the myth, the legend. He is money. <laughs> What's up, Evan? How you doing, buddy? The intros get more epic every time, man. I swear. <laughs> I love it. I don't know what you're going to do when I come on here in three or four times, man. You're going to have like a whole high school marching band and everything. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited, though. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> No, man, I'm doing good. A little hot under the collar, you know, as you said. You know, we always got some some opinions, some thoughts. Man, and uh, coming off that uh, that win against the 49ers, man, how, how are you not feeling good, you know? Oh, what, let's, let's start right there, dude, because, I mean, I, I've said this. I don't care what everybody says, especially you, uh, uh, Romo. We dominated the Sucky Niners. I mean, we, we – we, that game wasn't close. I mean, if, if we don't miss the field goal and mm-hmm. Irish Smith doesn't uh, fumble – Mm-hmm. That game's done, dude. We've still beat them by two touchdowns. So, I mean, that is – and the thing I keep saying, Evan, is we left stuff on the table. They still can play better. That's what's scary. There's still more parts that can come in and play better. So, we're just starting to scratch the surface and think of how good we could be. Yeah, no, and I – it's funny you bring that up because when they, they talk about the interceptions, right, for, for Brock Purdy, it's, you know, oh, Purdy made a mistake, not – the Bengals made a great play, right? right, right. Um, it, it takes two to tango in that regard. A lot of people make bad throws, but, you know, the defense also has to make a good play. So that seemed to get lost on some people. And I heard uh, a major outlets NFL uh, lead analyst talking on a podcast saying that, oh, the Bengals solved it. Oh, well, you know, I hesitate to say that because they played a bad defense. Oh, my God. They're, they're, Are you serious? They're, they're first in PFF defensive grade. They're sixth in drop back EPA on the season. Joey Bosa, or I'm sorry, Nick Bosa is third in pass rush win rate and PFF grade. Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead are both top 11 in win rate among interior defenders. I don't think anybody's going to argue that Fred Warner's a top five linebacker in this league. So, yeah, oh, I, I was, many, many people aspire to be that bad on defense, you know, like. <laughs> So, it's yeah, it's, 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 people don't want to give the Bengals credit, man. And as much as you can say, like you said, oh, well, if, if Purdy doesn't throw one or two of these interceptions, okay, well, if Smith doesn't fumble, if Drew Sample doesn't drop easy little out routes that, you know, hit his stone hands, if you do like it's anyone can play this game of what ifs, but the point is the plays that were made were the plays that were made. And so, like, you got to give the Bengals credit. That's not like they won by three. It wasn't like no, they won by just like two touchdowns. Right. And it could, like you said, it could have been another 10 points on the board pretty right. easily. So that's, uh, I can't, I, I find that unbelievable. They saw, they said a bad defense. Cause I mean, honestly, that was my concern going into the game is how our offense would look against that defense. Cause that defense is no joke. I don't, I mean, that's that guy gets paid to say, yeah. I don't get paid to do this. And I, I say smarter things than that. I think, I, I think you say smarter things than that. I mean, <laughs> saying the 49ers, excuse me, sucky Niners and a bad defense is just, that just boggles my mind. I would love to know who the hell said that. Now, see, and I'm sure if you think hard enough about what what kind of analyst is constantly dinging the Joey Burrow and the uh, the Bengals, I'm sure you could probably think of it if you if you spat three guesses. I bet you could name them. Uh, uh, Keisha Johnson. No, 
Uh, <laughs> there's there's another there's another classic uh, classic guy, um, but I, I won't I won't call, he, put anybody on here. But uh, he, he he's he's yeah he's kind of he kind of got the low buzz going on there. Oh, um, it, Carson or Augie's guessing? No, that it's all right. And uh, <laughs> but the but the point is, I understand that some people might go, oh, but their run defense hasn't been so good. Um, they have a better success rate than the Cowboys versus the run. So are the Cowboys a bad defense? I don't think anybody would call the Cowboys a bad defense. I, I know the Niners haven't managed to win the last couple of weeks, but does that make their defense suddenly bad? That has Joey Posa and Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave and now Chase Young and Randy Gregory and, uh, God, not Drake London. Who's the other Drake that uh, they drafted? Uh, the edge player. Uh, I can't remember his yeah. name right now. You know who I'm talking. Javon Kinlaw, the guy from South Carolina that everybody said is a great interior defender coming out. Obviously, hasn't panned out as much as they thought. But that's your eighth interior lineman. Yeah. You got Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, who are two of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. So that's just nonsense. So I mean, the thing I, is, Evan. Once Joe Burrow starts playing like jackpot, he is hard to beat. I mean, not only the, the, the scrambles he made, I keep talking about the pass. The pass he made, I think it's to T. And the window, he threw it, the linebackers in front, there's another one covered him, and he gets in the window. I think it seems like the window is this big. It's probably bigger than that. But it, is, it has to be pinpoint accuracy. And when Joe's throwing the ball like that, God help the NFL because he can put the ball where only his guy can catch it. And he, he literally can throw an undefensible pass, I think. That's mm-hmm. Over and over again, when he did, he's playing like that. I don't care who your defense is, he can beat you. You saw it on the uh, on the crazy scramble Houdini magic he did, where he put that ball literally where only T could catch it. The defender mm-hmm. is draped on his backside, but it doesn't matter because it is perfectly positioned right at his outstretched arms, right into his hands. Man, I mean, it's it's it was definitely the accuracy we expected Joe to see from Joe that we had not seen most of the season prior to this matchup. So really encouraging on that front to see the offense just functioning. Joe Burrow healthy. T. Higgins looking a little more healthy as well. Um, yeah, good signs for the Bengals heading forward. And one thing I, I, I really liked last week was they went under center. And this is something that, I, that they wanted to do at the beginning of the season, but they couldn't because right. of those calf. But what I really liked about it is the first couple ones were not runs. Because last year, typically we went under center, we ran the ball. First – I want to say three or four under centers. It was play action, and then we started running. So the and 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 the 49ers did not have any tape on this, so they they couldn't prepare for it at all. And they haven't seen us do this. But the one that I thought was the best one was a handoff to TB. What the ball movement that that Burrow had it, it gave him the ball. I thought the running back had the ball. I thought Mixon had it. A TB handwork. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Right there, that that shows you what they've been working on. This ain't something they just go, oh, you know, we'll just do this this week. Like right. so, some people said when the offense isn't going good, oh, you guys got to do some wrinkles. Well, when your quarterback isn't healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> and he can't move, there's, there's only so, so much you can do. do. Right. Yeah. So I, I think I think we showed that th- this week that I don't know. Zach Taylor does is a pretty good uh, play caller and he has a pretty good offense when he has all his weapons. No, I, I think that's fair, and I think the criticism of going under center and how they went to shotgun last year, I think it was the right move, and it just wasn't – they didn't have time to really implement and work through things. And you saw that to where – I remember in the Steelers game, T.J. Watt seemed to, like, know the snap count, jumped in and had a tackle for loss on Joe Mixon as soon as he grabbed the ball. And it was because they were running, like, 90% of the time wide zone mm-hmm. under center. 
90% of the time running the same concept. And so it was very encouraging to see them not dip back toward those tendencies that they had done the last time we saw them try and run this much under center. Um, 15 snaps under center this week compared to 16 the rest of the uh, first seven weeks of the season. Um, And like you said, that definitely gave life to their play action game because I'm sure the Niners, who they've played in the last couple of years, have prepared for them and seen, hey, they run the ball constantly. And then they come out and they go play action, play action, play action. And I think that really made them hesitate a little bit, which is what you try and do with play action. Um, but also just it helped the run game too. Plenty of people have talked about the run game and how using shotgun narrows the 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 play selection that you can uh, have where you can target your runs. Usually if the running back is lined up to the left side of the quarterback, the run would go to the right. And if you have a tight end on the left side as well, then that kind of is a, is a big tell that you're trying to run that way. Um, but then when you go under center, you go in pistol, then you have kind of a two way go for a running back basically, right? Like you do for a receiver in the slot. So I think that variety really helped them in their run game as well. And also the offensive line playing well playing well in those trenches, moving up into the second level, getting Joe Mixon free for 10 and 20 yard runs. That's That was always the goal is to be efficient in the run game and have one or two explosives that help you out a lot, give you some breath, have this play action game that you can run off of with this run game. And I, it could be like the Ravens where they kind of culminated in that Lions game finally, where they've been running a new offense and figuring things out. I think the Bengals are just scratching the surface of this offense that they've wanted to implement that they haven't been able to for eight weeks and probably haven't been practicing it because of the injuries as well that they've had with everybody. So I, I, I think it's completely fair to say that this is kind of the early stages of what the Bengals offense will be by the end of the season. Exactly. And, and the off, shout out to the offensive line. They, they played awesome. And I've said this before. I think this, this is finally the best offensive line Joe Mixon's ever had to run behind. And I've said this a couple of times on the show. But there was a run to to the right, no, mm-hmm. to the left. Sorry, and I'll I'm gonna do my Pat McAfee <laughs> big gaping hole, and it was freaking huge that Joe Mixon ran right through. That had to be one of the biggest holes Mixon's ever seen in his life <laughs> as a as a Bengals running back. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. you and me could have ran through it. There there was there was right. a guy within ten feet of him. It was it was awesome watching that. I'm like, holy crap! I haven't seen the offense on bust a, a, a hole that open in in forever. Makes it easy to be decisive as running back, right? You know, I know, I know that Joe Mixon was uh, touted very and, and praised, and rightly so, for having that patience behind the line, like Le'Veon Bell did, where he kind of hops around looking for the hole and then gets decisive. And I think with that tendency paired with having a bad offensive line, sometimes not trusting the hole you see, where hey, that looks really terrible. I'm sure if I just look this way or bounce it outside, I can find some daylight or a better look. Instead of just saying, hey, that's the that's the best look I got right now and I just need to get uphill. I think you're seeing him be a lot more decisive, a lot more north-south. I think you're seeing him just play with a better offensive line as well. And so he's being more decisive. He's been more involved in the passing game than he has been in the last couple of years because they really don't trust anybody really out there right now. Um, shout out to Travion Williams. He's had a couple of good returns. I like him back there returning the kicks. Um, but, yeah, it's I, – I hope – that they can find some way to spell him a little bit yes, throughout the that, game. That, that is my concern. I'll, I'll, I, mm-hmm. I hope Travion is coming out. It's going to have to be him to step up to be RB2. I was, so I was kind of hoping they'd trade for one, but they didn't. But let's get to our boy, who you and me have <laughs> defended for, I don't know, how I've been doing this for five years. I think he's been, he's been on the show right. for all five years, and you've been on. We've been defending 
Jonah freaking Williams. All right. Mm. I told everybody, no, I've never, we never said he's a great all pro left tackle. I said he's a good right. one. Uh, we both said we think you go the right side, right side, he might actually be better. Jonah Williams is balling out and he is becoming a factor where Bears fans are going, hmm, maybe we should, we should resign, resign Jonah Williams. I'm like, yeah. I don't think, I don't know if it would be a stretch to say that Jonah Williams is the priority free agent for the offseason. It could be. Uh, of the Bengals, you know, maybe yeah, outside yeah. free agents, whatever else. But um, yeah, so looking at what Jonah's managed to accomplish through these weeks with an injured quarterback, dealing with everything they have been, in spite of that, he's 25th out of 61 tackles in PFF grade. He's 30th in run blocking grade. He's 30th in pass blocking grade. He's 24th in his pass blocking efficiency, which waits for how many sacks. Sacks ding you even more because obviously sacks are more valuable uh, in the immediate term than pressures. Um, and he, big, bigger than this, people love focusing on sacks, right? And this obsessed me about offensive line play because people get so caught up on the sacks number that one, they don't, they don't care about pressures. They say pressure doesn't matter. It's all about finishing. You're wrong. Mm -hmm. pressure turns Tom Brady into Andy Dalton. Yeah. Like that's, that's the difference that pressure does. Anyways, a lot of interceptions come from pressured throws. Anyways. Sacks can oh, come from holding on the ball too long too. They do. A lot of sacks have a lot of responsibility rooted in the, in the quarterback, whether that's not setting the protections properly based on the pre-snap, um, holding the ball too long, not throwing it away, not seeing the blitz, not feeling the pressure, not stepping up in the pocket. There's a bunch of ways, right? Right. Dropping back too far in your depth. Mm -hmm. There's there's a bunch of ways that a quarterback can account for that. But I don't want to get too far off that topic because when people just keep going sack, sack, sacks, they're the only thing that matters because they kill drives and they set you back. What about penalties? Penalties, when you look at in terms of EPA lost when penalties are committed, they are 10 and 15 yard, 20 yard drive killers. Sometimes when you get a false start and then you get a holding it's and Jonah Williams is one of only four of those 61 tackles who does not have a penalty this season. Mm -hmm. So if anybody wants to come at it and go, well, he's still got three sacks of women, a quarterback who couldn't even move. Okay. Well, he's got less. He's got less. It was, the beginning of the year is easy. Go get the guy who behind there can't move. Go, go get that right. guy. He couldn't move. It's kind of easy to sack him. Right. So I, I don't want to overlook that too, because that is, he's been playing well and clean. And that is just, I, this is always the argument with Jonah, right? Is that like you said at the start, he's not a top five or a top 10 tackle. Sure. There's, you know, only a handful of guys that come out every two or three years that become those guys and play for the next eight to 10 to 12 years. Right. Mm -hmm. They play until they're 34. You know, uh, there's only, you know, one guy maybe from each draft that ends up being top 10 at any point in his career. Um, so that was just an unrealistic expectation. But the thing is, we were always saying with the level of play that you've gotten from right tackle from all the different, you could have a Browns QB Jersey list name of the guys who played right tackle for the Bengals at some point right. in the last five years. And Jonah Williams right now is playing better than any of them period. Yeah. And that was the, that was the thing always don't be the best, just be average, just be yeah. middle of the, he might be the best right tackle right now. Yeah. I, it, it's he's up there. <laughs> he's he's playing well as a as a tackle, and I think that if we look at the second half of the season versus the first half of the season, when it's all said and done, when Joe will we get a bigger sample of healthy Joe Burrow, I think his numbers might even look better. 
Yeah, I think so too. This I, I'll get back to Jonah here in a minute, but I'll, I'll, Paul's got a good question, which I don't know the answer to. I wonder if you do. He says, question, does 12.5 million cap space roll over for the 2024 season, or is it use it or lose it? I don't, uh, I no. honestly don't know. I believe – I'm not sure about exactly what they have to do. I think they might have to declare a certain amount of money for a rollover, but um, – I believe that would roll over. It's not like they're just going to lose that cap space. So they are. And I think that's probably part of their plan as well for the incoming extensions that they've had to take care of and other people that they are going to have to take care of coming up too. Now, that's one thing that I've talked about uh, on yesterday's show with, with Dallas uh, Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about Jonah Williams might be the, the priority one free agent. I'm, I love DJ Reader, and I, that one scares me more than anything because I don't think we have anybody to replace him. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have anybody really I, that I trust to replace Jonah either, but right tackle might be easier to find somebody. But my whole thing is we finally, not going to have a really good offensive line, and they're playing really well. It would just kill me. to. We struggled for so long to get this offensive line where it is. If you sign Jonah, get him signed for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You can keep these guys in, in, in the books for a while. Now, the problem is Jonah's going to demand a lot of freaking money. And that's the thing. He Because he plays – you can say whatever you want of how he plays left tackle. He can play an adequate left tackle. He can play a really good right right tackle. Right there, that there, the versatility right there, two, two mm-hmm. really key spots, is going to make sure he gets a lot of damn money. So that's where right. he might price himself out for us. But that's where I come, come to this is – I personally think I've got the point that I still hope to God we sign T Higgins. I think they're going to tag him next year. And then maybe he might go leave after that. I hope not, but I think his agent wants him to get the free agency. So that leads me and Cheeto. I know he's probably gone. We, that's why we got uh counselor Brent and we got uh, DJ Turner and all these guys. So I don't really expect them to resign him. I don't expect them to resign uh Tyler Boyd. I, I love all these guys. I just don't, it's business. I don't think that's what happened. Right. So for me, if you tag T, then it comes down to Jonah or DJ. And I love DJ. But if you can get – but I don't know if he fit Jonah under because he can get a lot of damn money. That's where I'm kind of – how are you looking at this offseason between those three, uh, what they, they might do? Yeah, um, so just starting off with DJ Reader, um, there wasn't a lot of interest – at uh, paying him or at his number previously when the Bengals first signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that the market, now that he's closer to 30, is necessarily going to be clamoring for a 30-year-old nose tackle. Right. Um, he's still really good, though. I mean, He is. He absolutely he, is. Like I said, he could drop off a cliff next year. Who knows? That's right. why they don't exactly. have 30-year-olds. I don't say this to disparage him as someone no. who's been – I love DJ Reader. <laughs> when I first got the PFF, I started covering the Texans at first, and I worked a lot with them on media, and he was rotating in on the defensive line at that point behind a guy named Christian Covington. And he was obviously just a rundown guy most of the time, but he was constantly a guy who stood out, performed well. So I've been a fan of his for a while. Um but to say that is to be realistic, like you said, of the fact, like, guys, we do have to be realistic as much as we love each of these players right. that football guys are lucky to play more than three to five years. And they so, should get as much money as they possibly can. I say that over. Yes. I'm a pro player when it comes to that. And if that means them leaving, right? then, you know, like Jesse Bates, I wanted to keep him. I love Jesse mm-hmm. Bates. I'm happy he got his money somewhere else. I mean, I'm glad he got his money. That's right. You got to get in. The, it, Corey Dillon has told me this. 
you get drafted in the NFL, it's like winning the lottery. It's like getting a lottery ticket. You got to mm-hmm. cash that in, and not just for you, but for your kids, your grandkids. If you do it right, you can have generational wealth, and that's hard to come by. And also the other part of that is just the larger equation is that post-career, you're dealing with a lot of injury, a lot mm-hmm. of pain. You're you're getting paid right now because you know you're likely not going to be very physically able or fit, you know, yeah. 10, even you 10, years, 15 years after your career. Yeah. You remember Byron Jones went from being one of the best corners in the league to being able to barely walk within two or three years. Well, not only that, then you get the, the CTS uh, D stuff too, the, the mental stuff that they're right. having to deal with too. So, so you've got, yeah, you've got potential mental. They're, they're literally putting their bodies on the line. Right. They are putting their bodies and their livelihood on the line to provide for their families. So mm-hmm. I will, like you said, I will never side with the billionaires, billionaires, mm-hmm. right. E billionaires, over oh this player wants four extra million so we're not going to sign him like mm-hmm. that's silly um but yeah i think dj reader can come back i think the fit has been good i think he loves it here i think the bengals might have the most interest in him so if they can bring him back for five six million dollars a year seven million dollars a year it's important and i think they will definitely go in the draft and try and find an eventual replacement for him, but fortunately, nose tackle is something you can hit in rounds three, four, five, and you can right. find a capable guy to do that. Yeah, Geno um, Atkins, he was he wasn't a first rounder. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's the other spot that they'll get in this draft, but we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that closer to the draft season time. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, then looking at the Jonah versus T Higgins conversation, um, I I think it behooves both the both the Bengals and their uh, T Higgins and his agent the franchise tag next year. And the reason I say that is. It, it's a bit of a risk, but like you said, with T Higgins and his agent, they want, I say they, his agent is one of the best at getting him the most possible money, right? Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys. If you're looking at the contracts right now and you're looking at how T Higgins has been exceptional, but how he performs comparatively to the other guys, Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams are the only guys who are coming close to 30, 30 million a year, right? 28 million a year. Mm-hmm. That's the top. And then there's this whole like little amalgamation of guys in the middle there that are making like 24, 25, right? AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, Stefan Diggs, right? I think the argument right now, and I think his agent would have a hard time going to any team and saying he deserves the 28 or $30 million right now. If they wait a season and they get a whole bunch of guys to re-sign and do contracts like Jamar Chase, like Jalen Waddell, um, these Devontae Smith, these kind of guys who are coming up, that inflates the market for them and gives them more reason to get more money, right. uh, not only from the Bengals, but possibly from other teams. So I think, like you said, that signing Jonah and tagging T is probably the best way to go when you self-scout and be real with yourselves about – how well have the Bengals been able to identify or draft wide receiver talent? They've now, been good at that. They suck at offensive line. Exactly. How is the offensive look, line? J- look at Yoshi. Look at Chuck Sizzle this year. And I've had it in my Twitter bio since I worked at PFF five years ago. Pay your O-line, draft your RB. And this goes back to the same thing where you want to have that continuity. You want to have that known quantity because the Bengals are in a window right now where they don't, Offensive line is such a tough position to come from college to the pros because you're dealing with guys who have much better technique, much better functional grown man strength because they've been in weight rooms in the NFL for five, six years, getting them working on all this. You're at a a physical disadvantage and a technique disadvantage early. 
Penny Sewell was not one of the best offensive tackles in the league walking in. He no. has been now, but that's what four years later now. Right. Yeah. Even Chase, Chase started right away. <laughs> right. And that was always the argument is that even though that's what that's what happens with tackle, even though Penny Sewell was one of the best tackle prospects to come out in the last few years, it still took him three or four years before he was in that top conversation. And they don't have that time to wait. And they have not had the track record of being able to identify that. So go ahead, re-sign Jonah, keep the continuity of the offensive line together for just once, just for once, right. because right. that is such a big thing. And we see it. What are the issues that plague the Bengals offensive line the most twists, stunts, mm -hmm. simulated pressures, communication issues, right? Right. How do you improve that? You let people play next to each other for wow. years and figure out each other's tendencies and how they like to do things to the point where they don't even necessarily have to talk all the time to know how they're going to handle things. Yep. So I think for the functionality of the team, for the health of the cat, because even if, like you said, uh, Mike McGlinchey, everybody's favorite right tackle that they thought was better than Jonah Williams in the offseason, right. only plays right tackle, can't play left tackle, can't even pass block, and he's still got $18 million. Yep. That's the tough part where is, is Jonah going to take less to stay here because he feels comfortable because it's where he's been? I don't know. He doesn't owe anybody that at all. He doesn't, especially what he's gone through with people just going after him for playing through. the. He almost shouldn't have played just for the dislocated kneecaps. Like, two of them. Two, two last year. Right. Both like, his knees. Anybody here would tweet their back or sprain their ankle and take two, three days off work. Yeah. And this man is out here going up against Miles Garrett's TJ Watts with a dislocated knee. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't tolerate anybody going for him or T right now playing through that rib injury. I, I won't hear any of it. Um, those are both extremely painful injuries and yes. just moving, existing, breathing, being while you were hurt like that hurts. Well, let alone. dude. I've cracked all my ribs, ribs before. I've said that multiple times. It freaking hurts. Now, all of them, he only cracked one. I cracked all of them, but I'm not. Trust me, you crack a rib, I don't care if it's all of them or one. It freaking hurts. You can't move. Right. You can't breathe. It, for T to go out there and gut it out and, and and try and play. And last week, it looked like he was starting to get back to the old T. And hopefully, mm -hmm. his contract, because I do think the contract is in the back of his mind. I think I do think he's really only had one really good game out against the Rappers, you know, but I do think it's coming, coming around. But I do really like your idea there of if DJ. You know, you get him for five or six million. You you sign Jonah like what 18, 20 million, somewhere around there, and you tag T. Dude, we, we're keeping all three of them. Uh, mm -hmm. that would be perfect for me if they could do that. Now, Kevin wants to know here, and he says, What if we don't want a Super Bowl? Will they move on? They could move on even if we win a Super Bowl. You mm -hmm. know, I don't think winning a Super Bowl or not winning a Super Bowl has anything to do with if they're going to stay, to be honest. I you know, I really think it depends on if they are okay with the money that they're offered from the Bengals, you know, or if they really, or if everybody else is offering them so much more that they can't mm -hmm. turn it down. And that's where it comes down to Sometimes like, yeah, they might love it here, but say Jerry Jones wants, you know, Jonah to be his right tackle and he offers him $35 million and the Bengals are like, huh, no, that's not going to happen. Then right. Jonah's going to say, see you guys, go, go to Dallas. You know, right. so, I mean, and and looking at the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, top eleven tackles, those guys are all making fifteen to twenty million dollars. So even if you say Jonah is just a average right tackle, he's the new right tackle who's coming to get a contract, it's gonna be in that 17 to 19 range, even if you don't think he should be, you know, up there with Juwan Taylor, who 
I don't know if Jawan Taylor's really played necessarily better. Jawan Taylor was going to going to Kansas City. He was going to be a left tackle, and he? he was he was going to right? be better than Orlando Brown. I, I said that Jonah Williams has zero penalties, and Jawan Taylor has clinic uh, has been one of the most penalized tackles year after year after year. He but starts again, off sides. That's something that never gets brought up. Penalties. No one seems to care. Um, he literally starts off sides. You remember the, the yeah. beginning of the year? He's literally lining up off sides. Yeah, no, he he is yet again. Uh, he's leading the NFL in penalties with eleven. Now that's the thing is, if you want to sit here and tell me, oh yeah, we got Juwan Taylor, or we should get Juwan Taylor, screw Jonah Williams, like because he has so many sacks. Well, here we are, and Jonah Williams has one more sack than Juwan Taylor, but Juwan Taylor has eleven freaking penalties, and Jonah Williams has zero. So that I know everybody gets so. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to. They just because it's okay. I'm like, trust me, dude. You'll be on the same page about this because people get so mad at Jonah. Like, right? He's look. You guys act like not saying everybody in the chat. People have been on there saying, saying I was wrong, but there were people that were trying to argue me saying he is like god awful. Like he shouldn't even play in the NFL. I'm like, do you actually know football? I mean, I, I y'all know Bobby Hart is still on a roster. Right? Like, I mean, know that freaking pillow hands of way he is still on a roster, right? Like that's okay. how down bad teams are at tackle. To find an offense, just to find an offensive line in general that's as good as we have right now is worth gold. And that there might be two or three teams that actually like and feel okay at yes. every starter spot. Just remember how, how and that's and dude. All right, that's a great point right there. Every starter spot right now, well, mm-hmm. I say starter spot. Only one that I would be concerned about is tight end, and I'm really, really excited about seeing what Tanner Hutchinson can do. I, again, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be an All Pro or anything, but I think he's going to be durable enough and, and kept, uh, catch passes to actually be viable on, on our offense. But I mean, if you look at our starters, take tight end out. What team's better than us? Right. And that's so rare. It's so rare. So I just, again, I, I, I don't want to bag on Volson either because like guys, that's what you would expect. He's, he's playing good for a second year FCS fourth round picket guard. Did he get beat up on by Aaron Donald? Sure. So does Joe Tooney. Like everyone gets beat up by these guys. So I don't want to, I don't want to ding them for that. I mean, but Frank Pollock said this mm-hmm. When they drafted Jackson Carmen. Now, Jackson Carmen has not turned out to be anything close to what we thought he was going to be or hoped he'd be. But Frank Pollock has said it takes a good three years, really, for, and you said with Jonah Williams, for an offensive lineman to, to develop here. We're mm-hmm. in season number two, and he played Division two college. Right. I mean, that's big a big jump. Like, big jump. Big, it's a big jump from Division one to the NFL at offensive lineman. It's Division two. To yeah. the NFL. So that's a going, from, going from the interior defensive tackle at North Dakota State to Aaron Donald is a bit of a jump. Just right. a little. <laughs> I really think he's going to be fine. I really, I like, I really think we have. That's that's it, right? Is if he's if he's fine. How many people in the be. NFL feel right. fine about three of their yeah. offensive line spots? Four of their offensive line spots. I mean, it's just. So I, mean, I, I understand. Line, honestly, in my opinion, the, the best mm-hmm. offensive line I saw was the Bengals in the 80s. We had Max Motoya, Anthony Munoz, uh, uh, Bruce Reimers, Kazerski, all, all those guys are on, on that line. That was the best, and they they stayed there for years. I mean, they all freaking basically retired Bengals. I mean, you mm-hmm. couldn't leave like you can now. That's what I think needs to happen. Just think if we had this offensive line, mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't had the guy since Joe's been here, we haven't had the same guys in the same position back to back years yet. If 
Just saying, next year we do sign Jonah. We have everybody in the same spot. Just, just take out you, like you said. You, if this gets to the point where they don't have to talk, they don't have to communicate. They know what that guy's going to do next to him, and that's. Mm-hmm. And Dave Lapham said this a million times. All the times, like a fist, they all got to move the same direction, do their job, and the more they do it, work together with that, the more they're going to know it without communicating. You know, without talking, and that's mm-hmm. that's what you want, and that's where the Bengals are right there at that point. Yeah, no. And before we move on from, you know, the whole free agent conversation there with all that, um, the other point that I wanted to make is that if you kind of just calculating the cost, let's say it's $18 million a year for Jonah. Let's say it's seven for DJ Reader to come back or eight. That puts you at that 25 to 26 spot, which is probably as much as T would cost. And again, this is tough. It's 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 a business, guys. Um I love T. I don't want him to leave, but I'm, I don't either. But I'm, at the same I'm, time, I'm, I'm in preparing myself for it. <laughs> when when you at. when you yeah when Yoshivas is looking good and looking like he is ready for more more quickly than I think people probably expected, including myself. When Charlie Jones was looking early on before he hit IR, like he was going to be an impactful player. When Joe Burrow is playing to this level. I mean, if they can just elevate the the level of play they've gotten from tight end, are you telling me that if you keep Jonah Williams and DJ Reader, but T again gets tagged, but let's say he just doesn't, let's say he's just gone, is is the team worse off if they lose T and then they have Jamar and Yoshivas and Charlie Jones and either another free agent receiver who probably would love to come play for Joey Burrow and would probably take a discount to do so? or a guy who just wants to come and win after being in a situation like a Devontae Adams, who he's like, I'm so sick and tired of this. Like, that's what I'm saying. There's going to be guys who are like, damn, I can play with Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. That's what you got to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. And also they've been good at identifying receivers in the draft receivers in the draft. You can get guys in day two, day three. There's a lot of good receivers. Hey, if Yoshi's going to play, you know, outside the number of good slot receivers that you can get in the second and third round. I mean, Think about all those slot receivers that have come out the last few years. Justin Jefferson was a slot receiver. Uh, Jalen Waddle was a slot receiver. Um, I, Elijah Moore was a slot receiver. Um, dude's played inside, outside, all over the place. Like, you can get these guys. Terry McLaurin was a slot receiver. Like, he's been playing out outside just fine. So, um, and Jackson Smith and Jigba at the back end of the second or first round. I mean, there's a bunch of different stuff where it's like, you can find receivers a lot easier than you can find quality offensive linemen. And I don't know that the team would be worse off if T left, but you maintain Jonah and DJ reader versus if you lose DJ and Jonah, but you still have T I feel like that impacts the defensive line significantly. I feel like that impacts the offensive line significantly. And I think that's a, it's, it's a fair argument that Jonah and DJ and the continuity that you would have by maintaining them is is worth more than trying to maintain T at a price tag of twenty five to twenty eight million. And the thing I, I, I I'm not I, like you said I love T. I would love to keep him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the chance uh, we're talking about you know TB and T both leave. Uh, uh, Joe Jerry asks, can we can we make it without him? And I think your explanation is yeah we can. Look at uh, Tom Brady who who Joe Burrow has been compared to a lot. Mm-hmm. Other than when he had Wes Welker and and, and uh, a guy named Randy Moss. Name another wide receiver. I mean, I mean, you know, that was a high-quality wide receiver. He right. made guys' careers. I mean, Joe Burrow has made 
tight ends careers. And, and here's his, he made CJ Zell a lot of money. He made Hayden Hurst a lot of money. Tanner right. Hudson does what I think he's going to do. He's going to make Tanner Hudson a lot of money. Joe can make these guys a lot of money because of how good he is. So the question that's been asked, can we survive? Yeah, we can survive. Do I want to? No, I want to keep T. But right. we can't. It, it is doable. And to me, in the NFL, where we've said this, and being a Bengals fan of the 90s, I used to get so irritated because we would never do anything in the trenches. We'd never drafted all that line, but we, we had horrible offensive line. We'd have Jeff Blake, you're throwing bombs, Carl Pickens, Corey Dillon running, running like crazy. But we had no offensive line. We had no defensive line. We never built from the trenches out. And that's where we, we're at right now. We have the core of the offensive line. I want to put the emphasis on that. And I love T. Higgins, but I want to keep but I Like I said, we can tag him. I don't think he's yeah. going to – I really don't think he's leaving next year. They're going to tag him. They could trade him, but they're going to tag him at worst case next year, I think. I mean, yeah, and even, you know, like you said, if, if that doesn't work out, I mean, just kind of looking at the the receivers out there that might want to come play for him that, you know, they're they're kind of out there. Um, uh, I see Michael Pittman, his option and extension has not been there. And guess what? He's been playing with bad quarterbacks the last couple of years, and he's 26. And he may be trying to get paid, but at the same time, he may say, hey, my market's not that hot right now because I haven't been able to do anything because of these quarterbacks. Maybe I sign a two or a three year deal with Joe Burrow, inflate my value. And then when I hit free agency at 28 or 29, then I can still cash in on one more contract. Um, Calvin Ridley will be out there and probably looking to rehab his value a little bit. If the, if the Jaguars don't keep him around Marquise Brown, uh, Paris Campbell, Kendrick Bourne. I know Kendrick Bourne hasn't gotten to show off what he can do in New England, but man, that guy is someone that everybody I respect and as as a football analyst constantly raves about that if New England would just involve him more and be able to get him the ball and not be a complete shit show, then they, then he would be showing out. These are the guys you can get for seven or eight million dollars, 10, 12 million dollars that Joe Burrow can turn into a one B a 2A mm -hmm. easily, mm -hmm. easily inflate their value. Like you said, with, with what Tom Brady did with like Danny Amendola. Mm -hmm. Remember Danny Amendola came in and just like started snapping out of this. Like it's, that's what a guy like Joe Burrow can do when they can just make you right so often by knowing you, having the ball in on time in a perfect place, letting you run after catch because of the accurate passes. So Again, that's all easier to do. You can scheme wide receivers. You can throw them open. You can't. You can only help out an offensive lineman so much. You right. can only help out the nose tackle so much on the interior of the defense. And again, do you want to trust that to a third or fourth round rookie on the interior? Probably not. Or not. I prefer. Right. Not. <laughs> right. And do you want to try and go out in free agency and compete for tackles again? No. Probably not. Again. No, we've done that for three years. And do, do you want to go draft a rookie at the back end of the first round or the back end of the second and try this Jackson Carmen thing again? I'll draft a guy. I'll draft a, a wide receiver or something like that because the Bengals do a better job of, of deciphering that. They did. They just do. It's just history. They just do. You, okay, so let's say T. Higgins is gone, right? Let's just yep. say they don't tag him. You go sign a Kendrick Bourne for eight million, ten million dollars to play on the outside, and then you draft one of the most talented slot receivers that because they're a slot receiver and they don't get valued as much by the NFL, they get dinged a little bit and you get that number one or number two receiver that might be the third or fourth best in the class. But at the same time, because they play the slot, they, they don't fit what other teams want to do. I feel like you're in a great spot when you've got Yoshivas and Jamar and Charlie Jones on the slot with, you know, backup slot receiver a that comes in, that's a top three or four guy that, and then you have, 
Kendrick Bourne on the outside, who's a guy who's been doing it in Shanahan's offense and New England's offense. So we know he's smart. He's a hell of a run blocker, and he can be a good jump ball guy, just like T was on those vertical routes. And that's so, what I think Yoshi's going to be. I, dude, I really think Yoshi has a chance to develop in I've that been league. so impressed with him. I was so wrong, wrong on him. And I, I never thought it was a bad pick. I I thought he would have a hard time coming in, learning a route tree. All this, I thought he might be a practice mm-hmm. squad player and then work his way up here. Dude, I was wrong. Yoshi is legit. I mean, I'm not saying he's he's Tia Higgins, right? You know, but he's got the, the, the height, the speed of T. He could could be comparable to T if if the worst case scenario happens and T does leave. I mean, sorry, my opinion, that's the reason they drafted him. That's the reason they drafted Charlie Jones because they're preparing for T to leave and are preparing or possibility of T to leave. They're definitely preparing for TB to leave. I don't think there's a shot in hell we're resigning him. But that's just that's just where we're at. But the cool thing is though, with if you keep this off its line, that right there sets up everything for the offense right there. That's your building block. You can base everything on, put the pieces together wherever you want from there. You got right. Burrow, you got Chase, you got this offensive line. Come on, NFL, come try to stop us. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that's where I'm at. No, and I was in the same place as, as with Yoshivas because the thing was he, he, his athletic profile was elite, right? Mm-hmm. A multi-sport athlete, Olympic level athlete, um, low level of competition and development of just the finer points of route running and receiver play that was the knock on him that was why he fell so much and when you see what he's been able to do and what really stands out to me is the feel and the trust that joe burrow has him to be in the right space because joe burrow seems to have that elite spatial sensitivity awareness to know where people are how much time they have to get where he can, he can throw it to where they're going to go before they even break, which I find that blows my mind. Right. He he feels leverage. He perceives it in a way that is highly sensitive compared to the rest of us, right? And I feel like Yoshivas has a bit of that from being a multi-sport athlete at such a high level. I feel like he has that innate spatial awareness that we've seen. Joe Burrow go to him in the red zone on the scramble drill twice now. Yep. And both times, Yoshivas broke down, got in front of defenders, got leverage on defenders, just felt the space so well. The same way that Travis Kelsey will just break routes off and has that same mind meld with Patrick Mahomes. We could start to see that develop with Yoshivas because they both just seem to have this innate feel for where to be and where the ball needs to go. And that is the impressive part because we thought – he would need to develop more, develop more of those instincts, develop more of the route running, develop more of all this. And the T Higgins injury has opened the door for him to get more run. And I think the Bengals and myself and a lot of people have been surprised with how quickly he's come along and all those aspects of the game. that were the reason he fell so far, which now if you have hindsight 2020, I bet a number of teams might've taken that swing on him in the third or fourth round now instead. And I, that could be even more by the time next year rolls around and he has a whole off season of well, that, being in the NFL program, working with Joe 
Burrow. And that right there goes to, to, to my point or our point that the Bengals do a better job of identifying wide receivers than they do tackles or offensive linemen in general. They just you, you basically look like you've hit on a fourth and a sixth round pick in the same year. Like, yeah. and you just consistently yeah. do this. Like, yeah. Charlie Jones is a, when he gets back, he's a freaking beast, dude. I really like him yeah. a lot, not only in, in uh, punt return, but slot. He's looked he's pretty good. Cool. He's got juice. I saw someone ask earlier, they were saying, are we going to be able to tolerate if? If T and Tyler Boyd both leave, and yeah, man, I talked about it. Yeah, I, I love Tyler Boyd, guys. I do, but at the yeah. same time, he's thirty, and he just does not have that extra gear that he used to. He's still got the savvy, but Charlie Jones is the guy who can catch the ball and make defenders miss and create yards for himself. Um, guy who can just is surprisingly good at contested catches for being a little bit shorter and like just again one of those exceptional feels for timing for when to jump, when to high point, finding the leverage, using that to the best of his ability, man. I, 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 I'm I, really excited for what he can do in the second half of the season because I think with him going on IR, so much has happened in Bengals' world. We kind of forget. He kind of goes in the back of your mind. That's what I said. We started this. Like, we have more weapons that we haven't even got to use yet. And I'm not talking about on offense, on defense. Uh, Joseph Osai. Still hasn't scratched the surface of what we all think he can do. I'm Dude, shout wait. out Cam Sample. Cam Sample, Cam Sample yeah. Thing, man. He's been playing great, too. So, I mean, great. there's so much, and I keep this levels, as TB likes, but to this team that we haven't got to yet. But we've been on it for 49 minutes, and I've said this would be a Bengals-Bills preview, and all we've done is somehow <laughs> awesome. The Bengals are. But uh, so let's get let's get to Sunday night here real quick before I get you out of here. Yeah. It's going to be uh, striped. Uh, striped game. It's going to be awesome. Ken Riley and his uh, junior and his family is going to be there for a halftime. I love it. Uh, Kevin Huber and, and, uh, and Clark Harris are going to be rulers of the jungle. First time uh, the Bills have been back since the uh, uh, Marvin or um, um, oh, I can't think of his name. The guy got almost uh, uh, died last year for the Bills. Um, uh, Dem- uh, Demar Hamlin. Thank you. Jeez. Didn't die. Still Didn't alive. Die. Didn't die. Still alive. First time he's coming back. Anyway, he is still breathing. It's still okay. alive. I said almost died. Um, but all, all that's uh, happening. Plus the game. We got Jackpot Joey versus Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was on a Bills podcast before I did this, and I was kind of like giving the props. Like, yeah, you know, you guys can do this, yada, yada, yada. Dude, we're going to smoke them. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm like this. I I don't want to come on somebody's show. I'm not trying to talk shit or whatever. I mean, I, right. I try to be respectful. But in my heart of hearts, we're going to smoke them. I don't think Buffalo's got a shot. To be honest, well, what do you think? Right. So, if they are going to stay competitive, if this is going to be a competitive game and they're going to have a chance at winning this, it's going to be driven by the offense. Um, Josh Allen, despite having that weird game against the Jets where he reverted back to the the rookie version of himself outside of that, he's been really exceptional this year. I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, he only has seven turnover-worthy plays this year, but he has eight interceptions. Mm-hmm. So that comes from getting hit off the hands of receivers from bad plays like that, where it gets tipped at the line of scrimmage or something stuff. That's not his own fault. And I want to give credit where credit's due because he was, he led the NFL in turnover worthy plays last year. This year, he has the fifth best rate of turnover worthy plays among quarterbacks. So I, I want to give credit where credit's due that he's been playing amazing, but he is going to have to be Superman for them to compete mm-hmm. when you have, Look, Gabe Davis has looked better. He's coming along like he's developing more. 
Um, they're they're unhappy with the running back room. They're, I don't know why. James Cook has been pretty good about running this season. They just don't like him when they get to the red zone or have the bully ball situations. That's why they went and got Latavius Murray. That's why they went and got Leonard Fournette. Um, but really, again, if you if you shut down Stephon Diggs and say, hey, other guys beat us, Gabe Davis is a deep threat, a sideline threat, and I feel like the Bengals have the guys like Dax Hill who have that safety in that range to cover that, right, that aren't going to get beat like that. Um, the slew of Bill's injuries that they have on defense yep. is is tough on them. Right? especially. Um, right, and, and especially on the interior of the D-line, I believe it was Davis who got hurt and is out for the season now who was playing really well on the interior. Um, the, the Bill's offense is second in offense in EPA per uh, – EPA per play this season. So their offense has been great. Um, their defense is 13th, but that's been, you know, up and down based on who they've been playing and the injuries that they've dealt with. And it starts to get a little bit worse as it goes on. But despite even looking at the full season when they were healthy, um, the the defense ranks 21st in EPA versus the run. And I expect a big Joe Mixon game this week. I think like, the same thing. Yep. Just like we did with that. Um, Rashad White. For the Buccaneers, very inefficient running back, strictly a volume guy, and the Bills struggled to stop him. He looked competent. Um, running back, Saquon Barkley has struggled with injuries and everything else. He was able to run, even with the bad, terrible, literally barely NFL starter quality Giants offensive line was able to do this. Well, I'm glad that's not our offensive line. Exactly. And, yeah, what a change a couple years makes, right? And right. um so with the varied run game, being able to go under center more, having this play action game, I think that run game is going to be a very big problem that's going to sustain a lot of drives for the Bengals. Especially with our new under center. Uh, right. That's And that's looking at their defense, I mean, is, is Dane Jackson and Christian Benford and Kyer Elam, who was a healthy scratch the other week, that's who you got covering T. Higgins and Jamar Chase? Right. That's where the B. So you're, you're telling me I can run the ball at will for five yards of carry whenever I need to. You've got Dane Jackson and Christian Benford trying to match up with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And you're dealing and Teron Johnson's a good nickel. I don't want to I don't want to slander Teron Johnson. He's he's a good guy. He's a good point. A uh, good corner. But those outside corners are going to get picked on. And as soon as they put up any resistance, they start dropping into coverage and they get light boxes. They're going to get run on. And this offense is just going to be able to move and move and move. And I think Lou does such a good job of changing the picture and throwing things at you where he'll put seven guys on the line of scrimmage and say, we're bringing the heat, we're bringing the heat. And he might do it two or three times just well, to mess with you. I think he and suddenly on third and seven, everyone drops back and it's mm -hmm. rush three. And that's when Josh Allen gets skittish is because yep. when that picture changes, he – the same way any quarterback does, I, of Joe Burrow, anybody. When you're expecting something else and then you open the front door and suddenly Big Bird's there and not your brother or sister you were expecting to be, you're thrown off guard. You're startled a little bit. Right. But that extra half second to one second is an eternity in the NFL. So oh, if yeah. you have to do that and take that to reset yourself and re-diagnose what you're looking at and it then totally where you got to go, mm -hmm. right, it makes you hold the ball and hold the ball and maybe even force one that you think mm -hmm. you had it, but – you don't on top of the fact that now he's supposedly got a shoulder injury. I don't know yep. what degree, whether it's an AC joint, a sprain, what's going on. They've been very hush hush about it. He has the arm talent to compensate, but is he 80%? And can he fit that tight window throw that he likes to fit at 80%? He, he may not, he may make the mistake. Um, 
So between all that, the offense is going to be able to cruise, and I think the defense is going to be able to get enough stops that that offense is really going to have a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. And I think Lou Anarumo, who has had every elite quarterback in the NFL in a blender every time they play, I, I expect that the Bengals might win by 10, 14 points. I do a lot like Sunday. I to the Bills and Josh Allen because, again, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, that's a really good offense. But the defense is just – it's its a mystery box every week with what, they, what they've what they been. And, you know, they could come out and play their best game of the season, but I'm just not expecting that. No, I, I'm not expecting that. That's where I'm just kind of like – when he was – I'm like, he wanted me the uh, – it's called uh, uh, Bets – Bills and beer, so you guys can go uh, subscribe to his channel. Go check him out. I had on, on here a couple times. Uh, Chase, he's, he's good, uh, good guy. But he asked me, you know, you know, who are it's like on the Bills defense? Who are you scared of? Mm-hmm. I literally couldn't think of anybody. I mean, Va- Von Miller. I was like, I, I went with him. I was like, right. And everybody else is hurt. Is this his first full week back? Like, I, I think, yeah, it might be. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm, still, I'm trying. Ed, to like, Ed Oliver has played better than he has previously. But what is it scary? No, like, that's yeah, like, I'm sitting there thinking, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, like, there's nobody on that defense that scares me. There's not, <laughs> you know, right? Especially when your weakest point is, like you said, Cordell Olson, and they may be able to, like, you know, win a couple matchups there. But when you feel pretty solid about your matchups, well, we just did the our offense just had that performance against the Sucky Niners, who I'm sorry, they have a better defense. I, Whoever said that beginning today, you're talking yeah, about. I know it, it's upsetting, isn't like, it? Yeah, like they're 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 goofy. 49ers have a hell of a defense. That just means that's how good we played. That's where my we came off this performance because I've said this a million times on here, Evan. We went undefeated in November, and December uh, last year, and I went all the way to the AFC Championship game. We're on the verge of doing that again, and I'm, I'm going to bet on the Bengals to win every single game the rest of this year because I think we're winning all. And call me crazy. But the, we've done it before, and, and people are like, oh, you can't rely on the past. Yes, you can, because that's the only thing you have to base on. And if you look at – if you really look at how good the Bengals played against a really good defense and a supposed a couple weeks ago MVP-type quarterback who they just made look like, you know, like Andy Dalton, uh, there's still more there that this team can get better and, and improve upon. That's where I'm like, y'all better watch out, dude. We're really starting to – I mean, I'm – and I, I'm not trying. I wish I could tone it back a little bit, but I'm seriously looking at this going, we're going to kill them. We're going to smoke the Bills. I just, I just, maybe I'll, you know, you guys clip this out and Monday I'm on here and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I think we're going to kill them because we beat them last year. And the Monday night game, we were running down the field about to destroy them. I think we're going to do the same thing. I just, we're just playing too good. And when you hit that stride of things, you want to just keep inching up, get better, get better, better every week. All it does is hit that apex at Super Bowl. And I think Zach does a good job of getting his team to do that and getting his team to focus on one game at a time. They do that, I think, better than any team I've ever seen do that. Because there's they can easily go, oh, crap, we got to go play the Bills. And, oh, crap, we got to play the Ratbirds. And we still got to go to Pittsburgh and all this stuff. <laughs> they're literally going, we're going to play the Bills, and that's it. I don't think they're even thinking about anything else. No. No, I and like you said, man, you, you felt more competitive and confident about where those Bills teams were at when they played in previous years. And I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that this is probably the weakest Bills roster, just performance wise, yeah. 
that, that, you know, I mean, last year it was fair to say that they had one of the best rosters in the NFL and they were playing mm-hmm. like it week in, week out. They were a tough team. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're really struggling to squeak out these wins and it shows. And, you know, teams like Jacksonville have been really inconsistent throughout the year. Now, you know, the Bengals have too, but they look like they're healthy and on the right track. Whereas the Jags in that game still failed to capitalize on a lot of opportunities and still gave them a lot of problems. But I feel like the Bengals are going to be able to hurt them in the run against their corners on the boundary. I, I really expect that they're going to be able to move the ball. No problem. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of, I used to be scared to do this, you know, say that I think we're going to be this confident in my team. You know, we had, we always had the, the Marvin Lewis years where we never did good in prime time. We couldn't want a playoff game, but these last couple of years, dude, I, it's hard to, to contain it. It's hard to be, Mm-hmm. Hard to not be excited. Yeah, yeah, because we're we're this damn good. And I say mm-hmm. we, yes, I say we, because I'm a Bengals fan. I lived through the the '90s and all that stuff. I'm, I say we. So I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard this shit. I, I was I was alive in the '70s, damn it, and we could be the Steelers. So anyway, money, money, Mick. I like what we call you. You're gonna be money, Mick, instead of money, Mac. We got money, Mick. <laughs> and then money, Mick Phillips. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Tell everybody about the sit down, you and Malik Bright, and what you guys got going on before I get you out of here, man. I appreciate it, man. Uh, we got a YouTube channel over there at youtube.com forward slash the sit down 513. Um, you can go find the link in my uh, my Twitter account, my X account, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm at emicphil. Uh, got a lot of different stats and stuff I'll be posting throughout the week, post Bengals games, uh, some clips from our show. But you can join us every Wednesday on our YouTube show at seven o'clock. We go live. We interact with the chat like uh, like Jeff does here. Um, answer a lot of your guys' questions, just talk bangles, have some good times, man. So I uh, appreciate it if y'all join us. I think I'm going to do a Twitter poll and say, should it be E. McPhil or he's just go money McPhil? Money uh, McPhil. <laughs> what, should, what should Evan change his name? You know, I, I got to push back, and I, I've told this to James Rapine. I, the, the money Mac – just, I know you hate it. it. it I know it you don't like it. I know. Wrong. It hits the ear wrong, you know? Um, it's such money, McPhil. Money, I always, McPhil. Yeah. I always liked uh, – I was fond of Kick Pearson. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Like that Arrow one. That was a little better. Yeah. yeah. I think I think uh, Orange Arrow was, came up with that one or he said that one a lot. Yeah. I, I do the shooter. Like, that's like – Yeah, no, like, I like that too. Yeah. Let's go uh, Let's go money back. And every time I'm in the end zone he, or he's kicking, I'm like this, and they, and they make some shooter. So yeah, I always like that. Anyway, Evan, dude, I appreciate you, man. Like I said, go follow him. Malik, those guys do a great job. I appreciate it every time you come on. And uh hopefully next time you actually come to the tailgate and uh, you know we'll, we'll have some yes, fun. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll shotgun a couple of beers for all I'll make time. a shotgun about six of them in a row and see if you can keep up with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink that much anymore. You, you probably out drink me now. <laughs> oh god, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe if it's whiskey, beer, you might have me there still. <laughs> all right, brother. Appreciate you, man. Who day? All right, who day? Take care. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. As much as I did, uh, that was awesome. I mean, Evan is cool. I love, I love it. And, I, and I, I'm, like I said, if you're a Bills fan, and you're watching this. I'm sorry, but I just we're going to smoke you. I just I, it's, I'm I'm all the the angst and everything that I was holding back for the first two months. Everybody going, oh my goodness, we're playing so bad. We're not going to win this. And I, I got I got laughed at where. Uh, I'm like, dude, we're going to make the Super Bowl. Like, what are you talking about? We won one, one game. We won, won a game and all and all stuff. Now I'm like, do you believe me yet? Do you believe me now? And everybody, well, yeah, okay, I guess you're right. I'm like, 
So I have a hard time controlling myself when we're going to freaking smoke the bills, dude. I'm just telling you, I, I feel it in my bones. Man, I love this feeling. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to the live basic groups. That let me live stream as I appreciate every single one of you. As uh, uh, always, it's time for sponsors. There you go. Let's leave that out there. <laughs> there, Houday Nation, Houday Legion, Bearcat Ruckets, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. Then you follow me on all my social media platforms, all other sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Turnable. TikTok is at Iceman90. I hope I pull the sound off later on tonight, put it on the podcast. Uh, but there are some on there you can listen to. One I do, listen to it, rate, like, and review it. Leave a comment, a five-star review, so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. YouTubers, you guys are awesome. I love you guys. 2,423 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. One thing I want to do real quick before I get out of here. Um, I said something last week or this week. I, I can't even remember when I said it. Um, so I said something about how Dale didn't, didn't start the Juice Gang thing. I was completely wrong about that. I forgot. Honestly, I truly forgot that he actually did. He actually did start the hashtag juice gang thing. So that was my fault to my brother from another mother. So I just want to publicly apologize to my dude for saying that he didn't start it. Cause I thought Courtney started it, but they were already calling themselves juice, juice box or ju something juice. I thought she was saying juice gang already. That was my fault. So I want to uh, publicly apologize for, I'm, I wasn't trying to run my boy down. I just, people were saying, like, I thought it was Courtney who did it. It's more of what I what I thought. Anyway, either way, go get yourself a Ju Juice Gang jersey. Go subscribe to the Bengals and Brews. Support my dude, Dale. I love that guy. Yeah, damn it, Dale. <laughs> That's my dude. Anyway, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful evening. I would not be doing a show tomorrow. I will be uh, out. We're going to be at, I'll be with Corey Dillon tomorrow. We'll be at Lichterman's Brewery. He's going to be doing an interview there. Uh, it's on ZTV. If you look up ZTV or ZTV online, uh, they have all the information there. It's it's 75 bucks to get into this interview, I think, but I think you can go to the brewery. I don't exactly know the whole details. I'm going there with Corey. So we'll be hanging out there uh, tomorrow night. So I will, like, Corey Dillon's coming to town and I'm going to go hang out with him. So I'm not going to do shit tomorrow. <laughs> so. I have a chance to hang out with the greatest running back in Bengals history. And I'm not trying to tip my heart. I, I literally cannot believe that he is legitimately my friend and wants to come hang out with me and Greg and Cap and Dale and Chop and all of us. It is so freaking cool. And he cracks me up because he's like, he's like, Jeff, I'm just glad you guys want to hang out with me and let, let me on the podcast. I'm like, dude, you're Corey freaking Dylan. <laughs> like I used to cheer for you in the stands. I had your Jersey. I'm like, so anyway, it just blow, I mean, it literally blows my mind that I get to hang out with him tomorrow. And you guys come see him too. Like I said, he's gonna be there. We got the uh we he's got the card signing at Sports Gallery. That is Saturday. So make sure you guys show up there and then we're gonna be hanging out at lot one. We're gonna have uh Midwest Best Barbecue there, uh 50 West Beer. Uh I think we're gonna have some Ryan guys there. We're uh, we're gonna have the Jackpot Joey there. We're gonna have all kinds of stuff. It's gonna be Pom Squad, Rally, Bruce, me. Whoever else wants to park by there, come have fun with us. It's going to be an absolute blast. We're going to go in there and watch the Bengals destroy the Buffalo Bills. Other than that, you ready? That's just sports, baby. See ya!
Chips in our veins, sparks gonna fly The beast is awake, orange, black and white Cause when the jungle come alive Who day we ignite in Cincinnati, we gon' rise in the In the jungle, we unite in the Drippin' orange and black and white Come on.